Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. Adversity doesn't define you, but it can influence the road you take as you become who you are. That's the belief of David Cooks, our guest on this episode of Talking Business Now. At the age of 15, David was a high school sophomore and a passionate basketball player. But then he experienced a spinal aneurysm that left him a T6 paraplegic. From the beginning, David refused to let the wheelchair control his life. And in his book, Getting Undressed, From Paralysis to Purpose, David shares his inspiring story of persistence, power of perspective, and power of faith to demonstrate how obstacles should not define us and instead should help us to help others. From that point on, I begin a journey of understanding that I needed to get past the question of asking why this happened to what can I learn from it, how can I grow from it, and then most importantly, how can I serve someone else or help somebody else that's dealing with a situation similar to mine? And that mindset shift was the beginning of a journey that literally led me from the playgrounds of Milwaukee to, to Duke University and Cameron Indoor Stadium and other parts of the world, coaching basketball and impacting lives. David went on to receive his Bachelor of Business Administration in Finance from the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater and his MBA in Finance from Duke University. He also coached at Duke and spent time as an assistant coach at Concordia College. David is the founder of David Cook's Enterprises, a speaking, coaching, and training organization that helps businesses and individuals put their purpose into action with clarity. In this episode of Talking Business Now, David shares with us about his personal journey of discovering purpose in the midst of personal tragedy. And he'll discuss how you can learn your own purpose and become a more effective leader by taking a break from your problems and challenges to help others with theirs. Welcome, David. Well, it is good to be here. I'm excited to talk to you today. So to begin, why don't you tell us about the circumstances that were the beginning of your personal transformation? Yeah, well, I was a 15-year-old sophomore in high school, and uh, I was born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I loved to play basketball like many kids do in the city, and it was one of my goals is just to make my high school team. And at the age of 15, I woke up on a uh, Friday morning with some back pain, and uh, by that evening, I was in a wheelchair as a result of a spinal aneurysm. I had an aneurysm on my spinal cord that burst, and it erupted and left me a T6 paraplegic. And so that's really... The, the short version of the story. There wasn't an accident or I didn't fall or trip or anything. In fact, I was walking uh, and playing basketball up until probably about six hours before the aneurysm uh, actually happened. So from that point, you really never looked back. From what I gather, you made up your mind immediately that this was not going to define you. So talk to us about not only your physical comeback, but what you had to do mentally and also in dealing with other people. I'm fortunate that you know I have a strong family and faith to help me get through it. But one of the things that really changed for me was when I was in the rehabilitation center. And I, I began to see people uh, whose situations were so much worse than mine. And one of the things I talk about, the power of perspective and how perspective can impact your performance on a professional and personal level. And as soon as I began to understand that my situation wasn't as dire as I thought, it changed my whole life from that moment on. In fact, I was scheduled to be in the rehabilitation center for six months, and I got out in four 
and probably could have gotten out a little bit sooner had I worked a little bit harder. So from, from that point on, I began a journey of understanding that I needed to get past the question of asking why this happened to what can I learn from it, how can I grow from it, and then most importantly, how can I serve someone else or help somebody else that's dealing with a situation similar to mine? And that mindset shift was the beginning of a journey that literally led me from the playgrounds of Milwaukee to, to Duke University and Cameron Indoor Stadium, Stadium and other parts of the world, coaching basketball and impacting lives. Some of the challenges that I've had to face and deal with really were, it was new to me. I hadn't been in a wheelchair before, neither had anyone in my family. So I didn't quite know what to expect, but I, but my expectations about life never changed. I expected to be successful. I expected to, to have a career. I expected to impact lives. And I found that once I was able to figure out how to have people become comfortable with who I was, not with the wheelchair, but with David Cook's the person. Then from there, we've been able, we were able to build relationships, and those relationships uh, were mutually beneficial. I didn't get here on my own. Talk about perspective and how it drives performance. Your perspective also drives your effort, and it also drives your perspective on teamwork and relationships. And along the way, there were a number of people who helped me in this wise. There were business leaders in our community that identified me at a very early age as someone who they thought could be successful in leader in business and, and perhaps have leadership qualities. And they helped me by getting me a job at the age of 17 years old in a bank. And it doesn't sound like much. I was a lockbox clerk, and I was basically filing checks and processing insurance payments. But what that did for me from a confidence standpoint at age 17, continued to make the turn from walking to not walking on to being successful. And that was the first of many small beginnings for me that I was so appreciative of that helped me to go on and be a banker and do, and do other things. And you talk about that a lot, that there's nothing wrong with small beginnings and that nothing is insignificant. I think so often we set our goals so high and we tend to discount some of the minor achievements that we make. And so talk about that a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think that one of the things that was instilled to me by my parents was to be excellent in everything you do. And so there was never, you know, you can be good, you can be great, and you can be excellent. And when you're trying to be excellent, you value every opportunity that you're given. And it's interesting because you don't have any other opportunity than the one that you're currently in. Right. And if you don't, if you don't manage that one properly, you don't know what can or cannot be next for you. And so for me, whether it was being a lockbox clerk or at Duke University filling up water bottles, uh, getting my master's degree, I always was able to understand that these things are important because, first of all, I had a goal and a vision of doing bigger things. But also, you know, you never know who's watching what you're doing and who's evaluating how you're handling these mundane, unimportant things. I mean, you just don't know. That's why you really want to treat them as, a, as though they are the most important job that you have. And you know what? It is because you don't have another one. And so, and because you don't, you use those things to build on them. And, and I look back at my life, and had I not handled filing those checks properly and all the things I, I ended up uh, working in the vault at a bank and, and counting money and doing those things along the way before I became a commercial lender, if I didn't do that first thing right, I wouldn't have this book. We probably wouldn't be having this conversation. And I may not have gotten all the opportunities along the way that I got because 
I value every opportunity. So when Coach K asked me 20 years later if I could be a manager and fill water bottles, that didn't scare me at all because small beginnings were not something that were above me. I was just looking at opportunity and to take advantage of opportunity because how you handle success determines how much success you can handle. Success doesn't have to be really big. It can be a small thing. And also, the challenge doesn't always have to be physical like it was in your case. What are some of the other challenges that can get people sidetracked, that can, to use your analogy of sports, can get them off their game, especially in the business world? You know, I think one of the the biggest challenges is really mental focus. I think focus is one of the things that people have to practice. And you can be distracted once you start comparing yourself to someone else and seeing what someone else is doing, not understanding what it is that you want to do. I think that there's a difference between setting goals and growth. I think sometimes we we should measure ourselves on how we're growing and how we're doing individually. I think one of the things that's very difficult that causes people to kind of get off track is when you start playing the comparison game. Because you know what? You never win that game. And you're comparing yourself to someone else that has a different journey, that has a different purpose, that's on a different path than you're on. And so it's not fair to even make that comparison to yourself. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I think in business and otherwise that that people struggle with. Just stay focused on and stay in your lane. Focus on the thing that you're, you're equipped to do. Because I can only run my race. I can only complete my goal. I can't do anyone else's. And I think that part of the successful people are the ones who can really stay focused and they can drown out the extra noise that they can hear through making comparisons and questioning why they're doing things. Besides that focus, besides that laser focus, what are some of the other qualities of being an effective leader? Oh, I think there's a couple of things that I think effective leaders do that that really are important. Number one, they're trustworthy. I think the most important component in a relationship, and a leader has a relationship with the people that are following him or her, is to be trustworthy. Because if I can't trust you, if you don't come through and follow through on the things that you say, then that relationship can be a little rocky. I tell people this all the time, that there are people in my life that I love, but I don't trust them. (laughs) (laughs) And so that changes the dynamic of the relationship. One of the things that I think leaders do is also they instill confidence in people. That is so important. When people know that you believe in them and that you really have their back, it's amazing what happens to their effort. It's amazing what happens to their performance. It's amazing what happens to their perspective on things. It changes that. And the third thing, I think, is for leaders to properly identify skill sets and put people in position to be successful. Once that's done, then you're on your way. I mean, it goes without saying, I guess, but I'll say it anyway, that communication is key. Mm-hmm. And communication needs to be three things in my mind. It needs to be clear, it needs to be concise, and it needs to be consistent. So in other words, people need to understand what you're saying. You don't have a lot of time to say it. And you need to make sure that your story and what you're saying is the same. Because regardless of industry, everybody wants to know, what's my job? How do I get paid? And is there room for promotion? Everybody wants to know that. And as a leader, those are things that need to be communicated effectively. I I think I'll go with one one more point on leadership. The Mm -hmm. final thing I think that leaders really have a responsibility to do 
is to confront the difficult. I think that's something that is not easy. Sometimes you have to make difficult decisions. And from a basketball standpoint, one of the things that I really liked the most about when I was coaching high school was having to make cuts. Yes. To having to sit down and tell a young man that you didn't make this team and explain why you didn't make it and try to position him to do something else. That was difficult. But you know what? You have to deal with those up front. And then you deal with the, the temporary pain, but then you're able to move on. And I think that as a leader, that's one of the things you have to be prepared to do is make difficult situations because sometimes things just don't work out. And it's, it's not personal, but you have to deal with it and move on so that the rest of the team can be successful. As a leader, the people that you're leading shouldn't have any surprises if, if you've been communicating all along and consistently, when you finally have to deliver that news, whether it's letting someone go, like you said, or, or some other situation, it shouldn't come as a surprise if you've been communicating all along. <laughs> Absolutely. There's an individual on your team that is not sure about what his or her role is. I fault the leader. I don't fault that individual. I fault the leader for not making that clear because you're right. There should be no real surprise. I mean, there might be some, but in general, there really shouldn't be any surprises if you are communicating effectively and you're keeping those lines of communication open and you have an ongoing dialogue so that people know what their job is, how do I get paid, what's the promotion, that, that kind of thing, and so they know where they are on their journey. One of the things that you speak about in very strong terms is that when you serve others, that actually helps you deal with adversity. How does helping others help you deal with your own adversity? I believe that leaders and, and people in, in positions of authority, we're here to serve. I think if we start with that point, that's important. I think that sometimes if we focus on our circumstance, we will not see our purpose. And this is what I mean. If our purpose is to serve and help others, it then if that becomes our mode of operation, it then reduces the impact of our circumstance. And when you begin to pour into other people, it's amazing how you don't think of yourself as much. Mm-hmm. But, while you're, but while you're serving someone else, the return that you get starts to build you up and you start to forget that you have the problems that you have. And by serving others, it just allows for you to not focus on you. And sometimes that is all we need is just for a moment for us to not focus solely on ourselves. Through serving others, we find out, again, A, that we have something to give. You know, sometimes when you're in a tough situation and you're dealing with something and you don't think you really have anything to give, but it is amazing. We all still have something to give. It may not be what someone else can do, but it's something that we can give. You know, I, mm-hmm. I don't think that, I think what happens most of the time is we let our circumstances speak so loudly to us that we think we don't have something to give. I'm in a wheelchair, so I can't do X. And, and all the things that you are told you can't do become a part of what you confess. And I just refuse to believe that. I want to know what can I do, and you know what? How can I help somebody? There's nothing greater. There's not a greater return than doing that. We're all in business to do that. That's what businesses are set up for because they've identified a need, and they're trying to meet that need for their customers. And that's service, and that's what we do. And, and, and if you have a business 
that is not customer-focused and customer-driven probably won't last very long. You talk about serving others and you talk about not letting adversity overcome you, that in the process of lifting others up, you lift yourself up. Was there ever a time when you were trying to figure things out as a young man in particular that you ever did lose hope? Yeah, you know, I don't know if I ever lost hope, but I, but I do have struggles. Mm-hmm. I deal with all of the ramifications that come with being in a wheelchair. And quite honestly, there are days that I don't feel like doing this, okay? But I never make decisions based on my feelings or emotions. I make my decisions based on my purpose. And so when I find myself in a rut, the best thing that I do is a secret I call from going from paralysis to purpose. It's one word. It's called gratitude. And when you put your circumstances in the space of gratitude, And you begin to be thankful for the things that you can do. You begin to be thankful for the things that you have done. It's amazing what happens to you because gratitude and complaining can't coexist. Gratitude and anger can't coexist. And so I have to stop myself sometime and just take a moment and think about the good things and be thankful about those good things. Uh, And that's kind of what gets me through. I'm I'm a strong person of faith. And I believe that the end result for me is great. I, I always think I'm winning. Even, when, even I, is, when I was coaching, I used to tell my players, we only have wins. Even though we just lost that game, if we're learning, then we're winning. And so that's how I've shaped my life uh, through these ups and downs and, and the difficulties is what have I, if, if I stop learning, then I'm dead. Then what good am I at that point? And that's really what drives me and keeps me from staying in those low places. Are they there? Absolutely. But I see them coming, and i got to get out of them as quickly as I can through gratitude. Mm-hmm. And that gratitude, again, shapes your perspective. And then from there, it's like, okay, I can do this. I can do another day. The other thing, quite honestly, is I live moment by moment. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't because that's all I have. In basketball, we have this thing called go on to the next play. And the reason we say that is because that's the only thing you have is the next play. You can't do anything about the play that just ended, but you can only participate in the next play. And for me, I try to win one day at a time, honestly. I don't look past this day or this opportunity. I try to do the best I can today. And you know what? I don't get it right all the time. If I wake up, I get another chance. That's right. I get to get it right. And that's, and that's how it is in business, too. You know, you may not get every deal. Some deals may not go your way. But if you get another chance at another deal, you're going to go try to knock that thing out the park. Absolutely. They say the best the best cure for a rejection in sales is to pick up the phone and make another sales call, just like you said, go on to the next play, you know? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, because rejection, and I've, I've, been, I've been fired. I've, I've had all those things happen. And, you know, rejection is interesting because it creates opportunity. And the other thing that rejection does, I'm probably not as bad as rejection is making me feel. True. But I'm, but I'm probably not as good as I thought I was. And so, and so somewhere in that journey, you come to grips with yourself and you do three things. You reflect, you regroup, and you relaunch. And you, you, if you do those things, and we need to do those on a regular basis in my life. In business, we do it all the time where we have our mid-year meetings. Where are we? What have we done well? 
What do we need to do differently? How do we relaunch for this next quarter? And if we do that on a personal level, I think we'll help with some of those challenges. If we had to leave our listeners with one thought today, what would it be? It would be that there is nothing impossible for anyone to accomplish and that we all can go from paralysis to purpose. I have a title in my book called Getting Undressed. And getting undressed for me personally meant getting my independence back and some of those things. But we all get undressed. We're all vulnerable at some point. But the beauty of getting undressed and changing clothes is that the clothes that you put on indicate where you're headed. And the clothes that you took off are your past. Your past pulls on you. Your future pulls for you. And if we can just stay focused on where we're going, I don't care what your circumstance is, as difficult as it is, you can still make a difference, you can still have an impact, and you can still serve other people. Great advice, David. Just so much more in your book, too. Where can our listeners get a copy of your book, Getting Undressed from Paralysis to Purpose? Uh, They can get the book online at Amazon.com. They can also pick it up off of my website, which is DavidCooksSpeaks.com. And the book is also at uh, Barnes and Noble. Okay, so uh, you can go out to David Cooks Speaks. That's Cooks with an S. David dot com. Amazon. Walk into Barnes and Noble and and get a copy of David's book. David, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Talking Business Now. Well, thank you so much for having me. I honored that you had me as a guest today. Absolutely, it was wonderful. And I'm your host Kelly Scanlon. I appreciate you tuning into this episode of Talking Business Now. If you'd like to suggest podcast guests or topics, or to subscribe to Talking Business Now's podcast, please visit my website at interrobangsolutions.com. That's I-N-T-E-R-R-O-B-A-N-G solutions.com, interrobangsolutions.com. podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.